Welcome to today's broadcast. Super excited to have you here as always. Thank you for joining this conversation on what the heck is happening in the cryptocurrency markets. Oh boy, lots of exciting things again today. I, I want to talk a bit about the current state of Bitcoin and why I'm just not worried about the current price action. If we go worse, lower for prices, I'm also not particularly worried about the price action. I also want to talk about some of the big news out of Oman. We have another state level actor getting into the Bitcoin game. I want to talk about what's going on with Ethereum right now, looking at the Ethereum charts, but also looking at some crazy Ethereum on chain data, which is just mind blowing. Honestly, it's got totally out of control. This situation between the supply on exchanges and supply and staking. And I also want to talk about like really big picture stuff, why I'm just mega bullish on crypto tech stocks, innovation more broadly as we go towards 2030, because there's a lot of money about to change hands. And that has very big implications for the markets. And of course, thank you to everybody for joining in the live chat. If you're joining us here for this conversation on YouTube, super excited to see you here. Of course, shout out to everybody joining on X as well. We live stream these broadcasts to X and to YouTube course we repost on rumble and of course on the podcast as well on spotify and apple so if you're joining us over there welcome as well so let's talk about bitcoin bitcoin has seen a big correction recently but it doesn't have me particularly worried to be honest i'm trying to look at the big picture here for what's actually going on with bitcoin the bitcoin having it's not that far away it's only april next year coming sooner than you realize. And we keep seeing these big stories that are really impacting the market continue to come out. So I want to talk about some of those with you here. But of course, we have to start off by taking a look at the price action. Bitcoin, at the time we're having this conversation, ah, oh, it's just hanging on by a thread, isn't it, to $26,000. Volumes are down significantly. The volumes are just wowzers. Wowzers. Volume absolutely getting crushed recently. The time we had some decent volume recently was on the sell-off back on the 17th of August. Otherwise, volume is low. Social engagement is low. <sighs> this is an accumulation phase in the market. Classic accumulation phase in the market, to be honest. All the hallmark signs are there. Low social engagement, low volumes. Nobody really wants to hear about it anymore. Of course you do. You're here. Congratulations because you are a bear market accumulator. And you will be the person who, while you're accumulating now, you get to distribute later on when the herd shows up. And the herd will show back up. They always do. You're going to tell me human greed suddenly stopped and people aren't going to YOLO on crypto again? Of course they are. Plus all the fundamental realities of the market that's being built here, the new on-ramps and off-ramps and all that kind of stuff, the ETFs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the news we talk about all the time here, this stuff is massive and it's going to have a massive impact long-term on the markets, which will bring the retail herd back in, which will allow the accumulators to distribute and take profits. You're going to take profits this time, right? You're going to take profits this time, right? Seriously, seriously, guys, guys, say it with me. Take your profits or the market will take them for you. Back to the Bitcoin chart. While we're hanging on to 26K, 25K, of course, I think is the really strong level of 
price importance right now. We've seen a wick down to 25, well, close to 25K on the 22nd of August and on the 17th of August. That becomes the key zone for Bitcoin to stay above. We are seeing a, a potential sign of hope here with a MACD reversal coming up on the daily. So the MACD line has flattened out. The histograms trending up. We could see a bullish cross on the MACD, which might push us back up to the higher end of the range if it plays out. Of course, can't just look at one indicator, but as an example, if we pushed back up to twenty-nine or thirty thousand dollars, that'd be very exciting. Everybody start talking about the new paradigm of money again. We're going straight to hundred K Bitcoin ETF approved any second, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When really we're just continuing within the range that has been establishing itself for the last four, five, six months. Until we break above, definitively above 31K or definitively below really 25K. But honestly, we can go all the way back down to 20K and still just be ranging within our wider range for 2023. I would not be worried in that situation. Break under 20K, we can see a bit of chaos. Not going to lie. Not going to lie. Wouldn't be super pretty. Also, if we look at the RSI right now, Bitcoin daily RSI. Still oversold. It's still oversold, which is crazy. Of course, as you know, historically, buying Bitcoin when you have an oversold reading on the RSI, on the daily, has been historically a good time to buy. Not financial advice. You got to make your own decisions. Obviously, all that stuff. Just saying what has been in the past. Pretty interesting. I bought some more Bitcoin the other day. Have you been buying Bitcoin? Let me know in the comment section if you have been buying some Bitcoin. Interesting, and I'm not sure if it's PSYOPs, but I want to share this news with you. JP Morgan has said that the recent sell-off in Bitcoin and crypto is likely near an end. I mean, hey, the MACD would support that thesis. The slow move of the daily RSI from oversold back into the standard range would support such a thesis. But I don't trust JP Morgan. Even when I think they're right, I don't trust them. I feel like it's psyops all the time. But again, if JP Morgan is running psyops on us, do they know that we know that they're running psyops? And so sometimes they sell, tell the truth just to screw us up. Don't know, but it's interesting to see uh, basically all the major banks and major financial institutions, major financial asset managers, financial advisors, family offices, macro, everybody has to have an opinion on Bitcoin these days. That is how far we've come along in this. Bitcoin's not going away. Pandora opened the box. Chaos is out. It's here to stay. And prices will go down. Prices will go up. Long term, actually long term, not, not this week, not tomorrow, not an hour from now, not next month even. What's going to happen next year, in the next five years, and the next 10 years for this asset class? That's what gets me excited. And of course, a reminder that the month of September is usually pretty crap for Bitcoin. August usually sees a bit of difficulties as well as we are currently seeing. But September is coming and September tends to be a pretty crap month in general for Bitcoin. And you might think, well, Lark, it's already been kind of crap. How much worse can it get? Oh, it can always get worse. Can't it? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But just, you know, keep that knowledge in mind that September's 
tend to be pretty boring, let's say, for Bitcoin. Now, the possible silver lining here is that usually Septembers don't see like super mega sell-offs, right? Super mega sell-offs tend to happen actually in different months. January tends to be a month of either super pumps or super dumps, for example. Uh, March, super pumps, super dumps. September just tends to be low volume, low interest. Um, you can see if we look back on previous Septembers, 2022 minus 3%, 2021 minus 7, 2020 minus 7, 2019 minus 13, 2018 minus 5, 2017 minus 7, 2016 was plus 6, 2015 plus 2, and all we have to go all the way back to 2014 to find a really significant sell-off for the month of September at minus 19%, and 2023 is minus 1.7%. So usually, usually. September's are just kind of boring. Not much engagement in the market. I guess I don't know. Everyone's go back to work. Everyone gets back from their summer holidays and they don't really care about markets right now. Whatever it might be. Just be prepared that September might be more boringness. Of course, we do have a Bitcoin ETF application deadline coming up soon. Maybe that sparks some new life into the market. Probably just going to get delayed. Realistically, probably just going to get delayed. But we'll see. You never know. You never know. Before we get into the rest of the charts, if you are a cryptocurrency trader, you got to get yourself an account over on Bybit. It is the best place to be trading cryptocurrencies. Of course, if you are a trader, that is. They've got spot altcoin markets. They've got super popular copy trading. Of course, the most popular futures markets in the crypto game. Use that link down below in the description to start your account. You can get up to $30,000 in deposit and trading bonuses, depending on how much you trade, how much you deposit, as well as exclusive fee discounts. So check it out if you are a trader. Now, I like this chart, this chart, <clears throat> chart shared by Altcoin Daily here. Basically, it looks back at the previous cycles of the market. We have our bear times, we have our accumulation times, we have our bull market times. We see market cycles play out. And whether this market cycle takes longer to play out, it's already been um, the longest bear market for. Bitcoin and the wider cryptocurrency market. So there's that to uh, consider. But right now, for all intents and purposes, for everything that I'm seeing in the markets overall, we are currently in the accumulation period. The worst of the bear is over, knock on wood. And we're in accumulation period right now. Again, bear market, early stage bull market, whatever you want to consider where we are right now, the people accumulating during this period will be able to distribute and take massive profits. That's at least what I'm banking on personally. When the bull market phase returns, when we get back to new paradigm of money, when we see Coinbase app at number one, all this kind of stuff. That's the time that if you're accumulating now to distribute later on. I like this uh, here from CryptoCon as well, taking a look at the having cycle positioning. So as he mentions, Bitcoin, seven months and 22 days. It's a couple of days ago we recorded that and put that up from its next projected halving date in mid-April. It's interesting to see how previous cycles performed at a similar time. Bitcoin is wildly cyclical, and during this period, price typically enters a mid-cycle lull. During 2015 and 2016, this is about six months of sideways price action, which is about what we've been doing right now. We've been going sideways for months, for months, essentially. I mean, realistically, we've been basically going sideways for months. There hasn't been any real crazy price action. 
2019-2020 saw some big downside and the biggest black swan event ever recorded. Of course, that was the um, Mexican beer crisis of 2020, which saw all markets sell off, not just crypto. Each example recovered swiftly early in the year before the halving. Being below healthy supports like the 20-week exponential moving average is probably good to expect some dull price action for some time. Long-term thinking wins. Yes. I don't expect anything super exciting to happen before the Bitcoin halving. The one caveat to that is if we see BlackRock's Bitcoin ETF approved, but that might not even be the, you know, mega super giga chad candle that some people expect it to be. We're going to go straight to 100K. Maybe that just gets us up to our 48K target, which has been, as I've shared before, how high I think Bitcoin could go before the Bitcoin halving. We'll see, of course. May not happen, might happen. Bitcoin ETF approvals or something like that could potentially push us up there. Because remember, from the time a Bitcoin ETF gets approved to the time it actually hits the market, could be a while. But still, don't expect anything too dramatic to happen for the next few months. But also, you know, we get so impatient in markets. And realistically, I'm okay waiting a little bit. That's fine. That's fine. More time to accumulate more time to position yourself for when markets do take off again. More time to farm airdrops. You farming any airdrops? I feel like the potential for airdrop money is just being thrown at people daily and not enough people are taking advantage of that. It's a great way to put some free money into your account, potentially, of course. No airdrops are super guaranteed or if they do happen, they may not be worth very much money, but I digress. Money can be made on airdrops participate, find the airdrops, get some free money. I mean, what else is going on in the market right now anyway? Might as well participate in the test nets and stuff, right? As Mil uh, as I say, Milky Bull, Mickey Bull Crypto points out here, the next bull cycle is going to be massive. Look at the previous extended bear cycle, which resulted in a parabolic move. So the 2015-2016 bear market lasted 386 days. Uh, the 2019 one, 2018, 2019, 204 days, 37 days for the Mexican beer crash, and 490 days currently where we are at. So the idea here is the longer it takes to build, the bigger it's going to be when it comes. Went 3 trillion market cap last time. What are we going to this time? 7, 8 trillion? We're going to add 5, 6, 7 trillion dollars to the total market cap. Life changing gains potentially, for the people who position themselves properly. This is also interesting. This was shared by Bitcoin News. So BlackRock, of course, it's BlackRock again. BlackRock is a majority shareholder in four out of the five largest Bitcoin mining companies. They own 6% of Riot blockchain, Six, uh, well, 6.1% of Riot, 6.4% of Marathon, 0.8% of Cypher, none of Hut Mining, and 2.3% approximately of TerraWolf. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Of course, BlackRock. I mean, BlackRock, where, where is BlackRock not? Their money is everywhere. I mean, these guys are like the ultimate investing sluts, aren't they? They just, they just spread it all over the place, man. But they are invested in Bitcoin miners. And they have some pretty big stakes in them. I mean, 6% of Riot and Marathon, that's a significant chunk of cheddar right there. 
BlackRock sees the writings on the wall. They know what's coming. They're investing in what they can invest in right now, which is miners. Bitcoin miners, interesting investment thesis, right, to invest in a Bitcoin miner. We've seen Bitcoin miners outperform Bitcoin itself, which is also a pretty interesting idea. It'd be great if Bitcoin miners paid out their dividends in Bitcoin, but that is not the case, of course. But um, certainly has been a lot of strong speculation around Bitcoin miners and their success. And BlackRock's paying attention to that. Of course, they want to get their hands on the actual coins as well. And in other Bitcoin miner news, Oman, Oman, very interesting country. I was watching a travel video on Oman the other day, and I was thinking, man, it looks like a cool place to go. Check out some, check out some sweet sea turtles and stuff and all that fun stuff. I digress. Looks like a beautiful place. Anyway, Oman opens the doors to $1.1 billion investment in Bitcoin mining infrastructure. Did you hear that? Oman, a nation, this is a country, country-level actor, is investing $1.1 billion into Bitcoin mining. Now, uh, the UAE did something similar. Uh, the Emirate of Abu Dhabi was also getting involved in Bitcoin mining. I'm not sure if the Dubai Emirate was as well, but I know that the Abu Dhabi Emirate was. Here we see Oman getting into Bitcoin mining, $1.1 billion investment. Big amount of money that they're plowing into Bitcoin mining. We have state-level actors mining Bitcoin here, guys. Are we seeing what's happening yet? El Salvador made it legal tender. Brazil's past sweeping cryptocurrency regulations. America's, I don't know, like that snake eating its own tail. It's just so self-destructive. The regulation or lack of regulations happening in the United States right now. But anyway, Oman, great, great move here. Investing in Bitcoin mining. Great decision. I think it'll probably pay out for them super well in the long term here. So here we go. We got states mining Bitcoin. And of course, you know, love them or hate them. Russia also uh, looking at making a state Bitcoin mine. So the Bitcoin game is going absolutely next level here, guys. Nations are chasing the last few million coins to be mined. Think about that. That's crazy stuff. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Just crazy times in the cryptocurrency markets, isn't it? You know, it's this boring time when a lot of people give up and they walk away. But if you're still here, still paying attention, I think the opportunity is just incredible. It really is, especially when you see all these fundamentally big stories. You know, BlackRock's getting in. Another country is mining Bitcoin. So on and so forth. Bitcoin's not going away. There'll be another cycle. Just a question of when, how long it takes to build up, how long it takes to reach the peaks. And of course, if you sell or not, I'm not saying you have to sell your Bitcoin or all your Bitcoin. Most of us have um, significant altcoin portfolios. I'm probably going to sell 100% of my altcoins in the next cycle. I'm not sure I have the um, psychological capacity to ride alt any altcoins down again in the next cycle. It's just not fun. Anyway, <clears throat> speaking of altcoins, it's time to talk about Ethereum. So, Ethereum, I've got some crazy on-chain data to share with you that is showing like there's some crazy things happening with Ethereum. The potential next cycle for massive price appreciation for the Ethereum asset, I think, is very strong considering the fundamental realities that we're starting to see on-chain as well as what the Layer 2 scene is adding to the Ethereum ecosystem. So let's talk about it. But first, I want to take a quick look here at an Ethereum chart. 
So Ethereum, if we go all the way back to June 2022, Ethereum has basically been forming up a giant ascending triangle. Of course, that's from first connection point around 870, back up to $2,000, back down to $1,000, back up to a little over $2,000, a little bit of a breakout above that line, but it did not hold. It was a fake out. Few tests on that line again on the first week of May, mid-July, trying to break over $2,000, but not succeeding before coming back down and retesting the line around $1,550. Massive ascending triangle forming up here. Price target breakout of that, of course, if we break to the upside, is like $3,200. That's pretty interesting. The end date for that triangle, by the way, is March next year. So imagine if the price just ranged inside this triangle between now and then. Then we see Bitcoin ETFs approved. Then we see Ethereum ETFs get filed. Then we have the Bitcoin halving. Everything takes off, gets all exciting again. That's how it happens in markets. That being said, the MACD currently under a bearish crossover heading lower. So we'll see if this triangle pattern can hold or not. RSI is looking pretty middle of the road right now as well. So that's not giving us a lot of indication. But um, as long as we keep putting in these higher lows for Ethereum, we continue forward. Now, let me share some crazy, crazy numbers here. Crazy numbers. So. Ethereum's 2.0 deposit contract just reached an all-time high of 28.1 million ETH. That's nuts. That's nuts. 28 million ETH are currently sitting in the Ethereum staking deposit contract. We're probably up to around two and a half years right now. So if everybody wanted to unstake their Ethereum, it would probably take around at least two years. I'm just back of the... Uh, you know, napkin math here real quick. It would take at least two years to get all that ETH out, potentially more. That means a gigantic amount of the total ETH supply is not going to be able to be dumped in the markets instantly. It'll take a long time to unlock all that ETH. And it keeps going up. More and more people keep staking. It also makes me think, of course, about the realities of when the market is starting to peak, when ETH gets up to 10K, for example. Well, what starts happening then? Everybody starts running for the exits, but they can't get out. What's that do then to the price of um, liquid staked coins? People rushing to get out, taking any price they can. They want to rather get out. They'd rather take a 10% loss on their their Steth or their Reth or their Seth, CF, whatever. Coinbase Ethereum, Rocket Pool Ethereum, Lido Ethereum, whatever it might be, they'd rather take a 10% loss on that versus riding things down 70%. So this is something to think about if you're an Ethereum staker, is what is your exit plan during the bull run? How will you get out? Will you manage to get out on time if you're staking directly? It's going to be more problematic if you are staking via a staking provider like Lido or Rocket Pool or whatever. 
what's going to be the reality of that? Will there be a loss taken because so many people are trying to get out of those proxy tokens? I don't know how it's going to play out, but it's certainly certainly interesting. Remember, of course, if you do see proxy tokens depegging, that they're still worth one Ethereum, regardless of what they're trading for on the market at the time. Anyway, I digress, but it's just a bit of a thought that I have been having about Ethereum staking during the bull run. Regardless, though, it's, I think, a massively bullish metric to see over 28 million ETH in the staking contract. It's probably going to be 30 million ETH by the end of next month. Huge percentage of the supply getting locked away. What happens if we get up to like 40 or 50% of the total supply of Ethereum locked into the damn staking contract? That builds massive moon math here because that means that 40 to 50% of the supply cannot be dumped on the market overnight. There's a queue to get out and the queue now is two years long and it's just going to keep getting longer the more people stake their Ethereum. Crazy stuff. And at the same time that we have that, at the same time that we have that, the balance on exchanges just reached a five-year low at 14.7 million Ethereum. That number has been steadily going down for years. In fact, it's now dropped by 50% since the COVID crash. We had a peak supply on exchanges. Since then, we've gone from 32 million down to 14.7 million ETH on exchanges. Yikes. That's crazy. So what you're telling me is that we're seeing huge amounts of ETH ripped off of exchanges. Huge amounts of ETH going into the staking contract. Again, this is rocket fuel stuff here. This is on-chain rocket fuel data that we're talking about. This is how we see a supply-side crisis come forward for Ethereum, and we see price spikes during the peak of the bull cycle up to 10K, potentially. Because more and more ETH is going to be taken off exchanges, thrown into the staking contract by people who probably aren't even thinking about, how do I get my ETH out of here at some point? No, nah, they're just chasing the yield. And look, if you have a multi-year time frame on chasing that yield on Ethereum and you're just taking that ETH and you're looking at like a dividend stock or something like this, I'm going to buy ETH, stake ETH. I'm not going to think about it for 10 years. Great. That's probably a pretty good attitude to have towards it. Because if you're especially running your own staking node and you're trying to get out at the top of the peak, mm, just keep in mind, it's going to might take a while. And before we dive into the other Ethereum stats here for you, I just want to let you know that if you're not signed up to the Wealth Mastery newsletter yet, you got to check it out. It is the best damn newsletter in crypto. Every single issue is absolutely jam-packed full of alpha on altcoins. On the broader market, we cover news. We cover altcoin. So we do re regular reviews. For example, we just did a review. Shout out to Jesse. Did an awesome review of the top five altcoin gems incubated by Binance Labs. Very interesting report, that one. So check it out. We talk about DeFi and NFTs, technical analysis, all straight to your inbox three times a week. It helps keep you up to date on what's happening in these markets. So check it out. You, of course, use the link in the description to sign up, or you can go to thewealthmastery.io. That's thewealthmastery.io. Now, let's talk about... Uh, <clears throat> OF and Ethereum. So the uh, owner of OnlyFans invested about $20 million of the company's money into Ethereum. They did that last year. Their holdings down like 30% or something like that. I guess they decided, hey, you know, 
all of our creators are getting screwed all the time, we might as well buy some Ethereum and get screwed too. Huh? Oh, no. So it's, I think that's funny. Anyway, besides the point. <laughs> besides the point, uh, it's, it's a non-story. Great for them for buying Ethereum, of course. One potential thing to uh, keep an eye out for, though, is this, is that FTX may be liquidating its $3 billion cryptocurrency stash. Apparently, they've reached out to Mike Novogratz's uh, Galaxy Digital to potentially help them with those liquidations. They have a billion and a half bucks worth of Solana, $40 million of Bitcoin, $150 million of Ethereum, $60 million worth of Doge coin. Now, obviously, they're not just going to market sell that on exchanges. They're going to try and get the best price for it. They're going to talk to OTC desks. They're going to talk to whales. They're going to talk to other institutions that Bitcoin's probably going to straight in the hands of BlackRock, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, most of this is probably not that concerning. Although, where are they going to find $1.5 billion of the buyers for Seoul? I don't know. That's interesting. And look, we covered Solana the other day. I think Solana's been doing a lot of great stuff recently, and it's definitely worth paying attention to. Again, I'm paying attention to Solana. Again, I don't have a bag, but I am paying attention to what's going on on that network because it's a big and important network and has potential next time, next market cycle to do some interesting things. But uh, that could be a short-term buying opportunity, let's say. Also, I want to share this one from uh, El Crypto Prof here. Altcoins broke out of a falling wedge that's been in place for almost two and a half years. They're currently in the back test phase. So this is looking at the total cryptocurrency market cap, excluding Bitcoin. Interesting to see if that back test holds, because that's a technically bullish sign. When we have this initial breakout, comes back down, does the retest, and then potentially moves higher. That may take a while, right? This is the one week. Uh, chart here could take a while for that to play out before we get any kind of serious movement in the altcoin space. But it, it comes quick when it comes. Let's just keep that in mind. And now in terms of other um, Ethereum demand, it's layer twos, baby. And layer twos have been popping off like crazy, man. We've seen, for example, uh, Coinbase's base see a huge influx of users. In fact, it was the fastest layer two to get to 100,000 users. Very impressive. Obviously, Coinbase has a huge user base. Lots of people are excited about Coinbase's base chain. So it's understandable. Also, they've announced that they are deepening their collaboration with Optimism, which of course is what the base chain is built on. It's built on the Optimism stack of technology. So good for Optimism, good for base. Very interesting, of course, that all of this requires Ethereum. Everything happening on base requires Ethereum to pay for gas fees. That means more demand for ETH. The more layer twos succeed, the more demand there is for Ethereum. It's just that simple. Almost 30 million into the staking contract. Supply and exchanges keeps plummeting. Demand from layer twos keeps rising. I mean, I'm not a math doctor, but I'm pretty sure all that equals M-O-O-N. M-O-O-N. That spells moon. ZK Sync also. This is one I've been farming. Well, you know, playing around with, we shall say, uh, quite a bit. On-chain activity has continued to increase. 100 million total transactions for the first time in its history. But that's not the limit of the activity. Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting to see all of that taking place there. 
huge demand for layer two networks and a lot of people coming in using them. Also, a quick announcement for any chain link holders. Chainlink stake in V2 is on track to launch in Q4 of this year. Pool expanding out from, I think, about 25 million link currently up to around 45 million link. Priority, though, will be to migrate uh, V1 stakers. But hopefully, you'll be able to stake a bit of link if you are holding link. So keep an eye out for when that happens because we will see some link staking happen in the not-so-distant future, which, as a new massive bag holder of link, I'm pretty excited about. So we'll watch to see how that plays out. Long story short... I think Ethereum is primed for some big things in the coming cycle. Now, real quick, before we get into the next story, Taco Breaks, thank you for the super chat. Appreciate that. I see everybody in the live chat joining us. Again, if you're listening to this later on the podcast, come join us on the live chat sometime. Super excited to see you there. But I see all you guys asking questions here in the live. I'll just answer one real quick. I've seen a few questions about the paintings behind me. Um, these, This one is actually an Ethereum piece. So this is the Ethereum white paper, and I don't know who the lady is. I think it might be a self-portrait of the artist, Josie Bellini. This is another one by Josie as well. We are Satoshi, and it's got the names of all the OG cypherpunk dudes there. You know, Hal Finney and whatnot on the little pictures of George Washington. So it's pretty cool art uh, if you want to check out her art. I'm a big fan. You can go to Josie, J-O-S-I-E dot I-O. I don't know if she has any prints left anymore. She's an OG NFT artist as well. So you can check that out if this is uh, something you're interested in. And uh, Uncommanded Soldier, we do these live uh, three times a week. Ideally, when I'm feeling good, obviously. Last week got whacked down by a nasty cold. Didn't, didn't stream every day. Was that two weeks ago? Seems like it was a while ago. Anyway, we do these live three times a week. Usually between... Uh, 12.30 and 2.30 approximately New Zealand time. That ends up being uh, between 8 and 10.30 for those of you on the East Coast, and you can divvy up the times from there. Anyway, let's go ahead and get into the next story here. And this is something that really keeps me focused on the long-term picture here. So here's the thing. There's a lot of money about to change hands. Trillions, in fact, about 142 trillion by some estimates. And that, to me, is massive fuel for the entire cryptocurrency industry. Not just cryptocurrencies, obviously, we love talking about cryptos here, but it's also going to pump up tech stocks. It's also going to pump up a lot of other stuff. But the reality is, is that the people who are going to get their hands on that money, they love crypto and they love tech stocks. Because it's the new cool stuff, man. We all love crypto, Bitcoin, new paradigm money. We love that. We love our chain link. We love our Ethereum. We love our, our dog coins. NVIDIA stocks, AI, new paradigm and technology, right? Electric vehicles. I love my EV stocks. All that kind of stuff. And of course, talking about millennial investors. This is a very interesting one shared by Ecoin Metrics. Do not underestimate the power of demographics. In the next 30 years, a good chunk of $142 trillion will be transferred from the silent generation, which is about $18 trillion that they have left. I'm sure that's going to be transferred in the nearish future. Unfortunate reality. Baby boomers, $78 trillion. More and more of that is being inherited every day. And of course, Generation X, $46 trillion. Um, which will be distributed over time as well, closer probably 2040, 2050 time. And I know that may sound a bit grim, but it's just the reality of life, man. At one point, 
us millennials, if you're a millennial as well, we will be the ones passing down our wealth. And there's going to be some other guy talking about Bitcoin in 50 years time, talking about how my wealth is going to be distributed down to the younger generations who are buying whatever at the time. It's just how it is, man. It's just how it is. Anyway, the group inheriting that is going to be the millennials. Uh, they currently have $13 trillion in net wealth, and they stand to inherit $142 trillion. As Metrics points out, millennials are native of the internet, Bitcoin, and digital assets. It's true. If you're a millennial, you grew up with the internet, right? I remember I first got home internet in 93, something like that, maybe 94, web TV. Shout out to anybody who remembers web TV. You're having to, you know, plug your phone into the router and it made that sound. If you picked up the phone and like, well, I'm showing my age here, man, but like connecting to the internet back in the 90s was a bit of a different experience. It was very much, uh, you know, a, a bit more fun, let's say, than it is today. Anyway, we grew up with the internet and the generation below us, they're also growing up with the internet. And the generation below them, I mean, you know, sometimes, sometimes I think about like my dad, who's in his seventies and, you know, his uh, experience with technology. And then I think about where am I going to be when I'm in my seventies? Am I going to look at new technology? Like what is this stuff you kids are doing these days? And my son's going to be like, dad, come on. How do you not know how do you, how do you not know how to log into the metaverse, dad? Come on, man. Just plug it, plug the cable into your brain. Okay. Okay, son. Anyway, I digress here, but millennials are going to get a lot of money into their hands. And it's very interesting because they love Bitcoin, because they love crypto, because they love tech stocks. Let me break down the numbers a little more here for you. Millennials are the most likely age group to invest in cryptocurrency. So this is according to a survey. It was done a few months ago. If we look across the different groups, so who's invested at all? Who even has investments? Boomers, 43%. Gen X, 59%. Millennials, 64% have investments. That's in anything, not just crypto, anything. Gen Z, 54%. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Okay, so where are they invested? So millennials are investing more than any other age group right now. So where are millennials investing? Well. 38% of the millennials who invest, invest in cryptocurrency. Cool. It's 1% ahead of stocks at 37%. Now, I don't know if that number's changed since the time they took this survey. It was, uh, survey was in 2022. But um, I don't think it's probably changed super dramatically, especially when you consider actual on-chain realities, Bitcoin addresses holding more than zero point, more than one Bitcoin and now over a million. Uh, more than 0.1 Bitcoins over like 12 million or something like that. Non-zero addresses it like, I don't know, huge number now. Interesting. And of course, they invest in mutual funds, 21%, ETFs, 22%, index funds, 13%. Interesting, actually, the individual stocks and cryptocurrencies are a lot more popular than index funds, despite everybody saying, you got to go invest in index funds. They're the safest thing ever. And you're going to get, no, man, we want bigger gains. Man, life's tough for a lot of people. People are struggling to put, put food on their table and they want an out. And when they see the big gains that are happening in tech stocks or big gains are happening in cryptocurrency, they think, man, maybe that can be me. 
maybe I can be the guy who makes money with this stuff. Because the reality for regular life right now is tough for a lot of people, man. It is. It is. So index funds are not going to cut it for most people. They need more money sooner. They need crypto. They need tech stocks. Meme stocks, maybe. All in on Bed Bath & Beyond. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Anyway, uh, REITs, real estate investment trusts coming in at 14%. Uh, NFTs at 15% of millennial investors. That number's probably changed a bit between now and the last time this was taken. I think NFT bear market's pretty damn severe and most collections are going to go to zero. But that's the same with altcoins. NFTs are like the farthest end of risk spectrum in crypto, in my opinion. Options, 9%. Commodities, like gold, oil, whatever, 9% as well. Others, art and watches, whatever, 2%. Although it'd be interesting to see exactly what is in the other category. But long story short, millennials love crypto and they're about to get $142 trillion freaking dollars, man. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Now, if you break that down, look. The question is, how much money does it actually take to move the price of cryptocurrencies? We're at like a trillion dollar asset, uh, total market cap for the asset right now. It's a baby. It's a baby. But how much money does it actually take to move that? Because obviously not all 142 trillion is going to come in. Let's say by 2030, for example, that 30 to 40 trillion of that money, so let's say a quarter to a third, has found its way into the hands of millennials. Okay. So we got 30, 30 trillion dollars, let's say. Keep it simple. Got 30 trillion bucks. Now, obviously, that's not all going to go into Bitcoin. It'd be great if it did, but it's not going to go into one particular asset. They're going to buy properties. They're going to buy houses. Of course, some of that wealth is going to be inherited via properties, which they may not be selling. They're going to buy stocks. They're going to buy Tesla. They're going to buy NVIDIA. They're going to buy Apple stocks, right? They're going to buy Bitcoin. So let's say... $3 trillion, just 10% of that money, in spite of the fact that 40% of millennial investors do invest in crypto, let's just say conservatively, only 10% of the money that they're going to inherit by 2030 ends up in the cryptocurrency markets. You see, if you have $3 trillion coming to the market, that doesn't just raise the market cap by $3 trillion. It raises it by a lot more because the price of Bitcoin can go very, very high if someone tries to buy $3 trillion worth of it. Because the reality is, there's just not that much out there for sale. Most of it's being held long-term. So $3 trillion entering the market can have an outsized impact. And that's, of course, just millennials. What about, you know, institutions and BlackRock and all this other stuff coming into the game? We've talked at great length about BlackRock ETFs could bring 20 to 30 billion, billion with a B, not a, not a T, billion dollars into the markets. That alone could send the price of Bitcoin up to you know, 150K or something like that, because that buys half of all Bitcoin available on exchange exchanges right now. Just that 20 to $30 billion inflow. What happens when that number is 3 trillion? Interesting things. That's what, that's the long-term thesis. That's what we are looking at by what happens by 2030, right? Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not next quarter. What happens five years from now? What happens 10 years from now? Where are markets actually going to be at? And before we get into the numbers a little bit more here, just a quick note. If you're looking to make it with altcoin investing, well, I made a course for you to help you get started. It's called Mastering Altcoin Investing. It's basically the course that I wish that I had had when I started off altcoin investing. I made so many of the classic BS mistakes that everybody makes when they start altcoin investing. If you've learned those lessons, 
uh, and distilled them down into a course here for you that I hope is going to help you invest in altcoins with confidence. We cover the basics, we cover the fundamentals, cover the, the realities of altcoins, how to get early into altcoins, different approaches to investing, market cycles, how to buy, when to buy, how to sell, when to sell, psychology of the markets, much, much more. Go ahead and check it out using the link in the description or of course go to thewealthmastery.io slash courses. That is thewealthmastery.io slash courses. Now, I want to put it in perspective here a bit for you as well, because the total, if we look at total assets by market cap, gold's worth 12 trillion right now, Apple's worth 2.8 trillion, Microsoft 2.4, Saudi Ramco 2.2, Google 1.6, Amazon 1.37, Silver 1.3, Nvidia 1.1, Berkshire Hathaway 776 billion dollars tesla 750 billion meta 730 billion eli lily 525 billion dollars now number 13 we have bitcoin 507 billion dollars so bitcoin as an asset by itself is the 13th biggest asset in the world crypto as a whole a little over a trillion dollars right now would come in just behind nvidia so be the ninth biggest asset in the world just ahead of berkshire hathaway just behind nvidia so one company is worth more than all the innovation in the cryptocurrency industries. It's pretty crazy when you think about it. My guess is that, well, last market cycle, we got up to a $3 trillion market cap for all crypto combined. My guess is that this market cycle, that's going to be at least double that. So we're going to get up to $6 trillion. Maybe we peak at 7 or $8 trillion for a couple weeks or something before, of course, the next bear market comes in and you either sell or you didn't sell. You're either going to take profits or ride your bags back down to zero, baby. Very interesting to think about how young this industry still is. And that's just this cycle, 2024, 2025. Let's fast forward. What about 2028, 2029? What about 2032, 2033? Yeah. Yeah. Where will the pre next market cycles be at? And of course, where will you be at in those market cycles if you stick around in the game? It's certainly interesting to think about how high the markets will go over time and how early we still are to this asset class. Again, it's trillion dollar total market cap. 75% of the market right now is basically Bitcoin and Ethereum and the top stable coin. It's pretty crazy when you think about it. And then the potential where we go next cycle, it's nuts. Big picture, long-term picture. I'm not too worried about the short-term noise in the markets because I see where things are going. And this is how I'm betting. My personal investments, my personal portfolios, can't tell you what to do, not a financial advisor, obviously. I share this as educational information for you that might help you inform your decisions and give you new information that you might not have had before. But this is what I build my thesis on. Huge amounts of institutions coming in, more users coming in, more fiat on-ramps and off-ramps coming in all the time. Trillions of dollars about to change hands into the hands of the people who want to buy crypto. Feels like an obvious reality to me that the cryptocurrency market cap is going to be worth more than a trillion dollars in a few years' time. Doesn't go up in a straight line. There'll be trials and tribulations and pulling of hair and gnashing of teeth along the way. But we'll get there. <laughs>